You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Welcome back to Impact Church. Man, I'm so glad to see all of your faces. I was a little worried because we did lose an hour of sleep. And if you're anything like me, you need every single minute that you can get. Amen. Like sleep is that important. I love it. Um, but man, I'm glad to see you guys. We are finishing up this series today, um, The Truth About Marriage. And man, it's been, it's been a great series for me personally. I've learned a lot. I'm not saying that I've perfected the art of husbandry, but I'm working on it, right? So Man, I've, I've learned a lot just through studying and being able to speak with you guys about this topic. This is, a, this is a topic that, man, people are very interested in, right? Because they see so much turmoil going on around them and even in their own marriage. So because of that, man, I'm grateful that the Spirit led us to do this series. I'm grateful that we're going to end this series today, and the way that we're going to end this is really just encourage each of us to really be the husband, the wife, or maybe the one that is preparing to be a husband and wife, to really be who God has called us to be. And when we look at this, we're going to, we're going to see that there's, there's some stuff that's really going against us as Christ followers. And because of that, there's certain ways that we really need to, to live out this this spouse, this marriage relationship. But before we jump in, I just want to talk about really quick Connect Hope again. We, we talked about them last week and how we get to partner with them um, as, as a ministry. And, and we talked about them. They, they get lead pastors together around the CSRA and they do roundtables. And at these roundtables, they have these really dynamic speakers that come in and they just encourage pastors, Right? A lot of people that, that go to church, they don't realize that pastors are just human beings. And if you don't believe that pastors are human beings, you can ask my wife. And I promise you, she will let you know that I'm just a human being. Right? So, so we struggle as pastors with the same things that you guys struggle with. There's nothing more special about me because I'm up here than you sitting in this auditorium. And I, man, I want you to know that and I want to encourage you with that this morning, that God has a special calling and significance for your life, and it matters. And because of Connect Hope, these pastors get to come together and they get to encourage one another. And, and then we get to do small groups with each other where we just go and have breakfast or lunch. There's always food, because I don't know if you've ever seen a skinny pastor, there's not many of them, but man, we get to, we get to have food together, we get to talk. And another thing that they do, and this is really special to me, is they have a warehouse in Thompson where they store a lot of equipment for church plants. So as these new churches start up, man, they have chairs, they have sound equipment, they have a lot of stuff that they store in this warehouse, and they let these new churches use this stuff until they get to a place in the life of their ministry where they can purchase this stuff. Man, what a blessing that is to be able to just store stuff for these new, these new works for these new missions that God is preparing here in the CSRA. And they've, they've done that. They didn't store stuff for us because we didn't know about them, but they store stuff for Anchor Church, and you've heard us talk about 
anchor and how much we loved them. And they launched at Evans Middle School. And man, they, they were blessed by Connect Hope. And Connect Hope is able to do what they do because of your abundant generosity. So I just want to thank you again for your faithfulness in giving to God what is already His. I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to dive straight into this message. God, we thank You. We love You. God, because You love us. And I pray that as we end this series this morning, that Your Spirit works in hearts in this room. God, that marriages are forever changed, and that people are brought closer to You because Your Word is active and living. God, now we're just going to trust You and expect You to move. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to I want to dive in really quickly to there is someone working against you in your marriage. There is an enemy out there that wants your marriage to fail. And if you've ever been in a silly argument, if you've ever looked at your spouse with disgust, if you've ever just had these thoughts of if your marriage feels like it's falling apart, I want you to understand that there is someone who wants that stuff to happen to you. And his name is Satan. And the enemy is real. The enemy is not just some, something we read in the Bible and it's just some make-believe. No, there is a fierce force working against you. A force that is trying to rip your marriage apart. Because they, they know, right? The devil and his, his little army, his demons, they know that man, if they could just tear your marriage apart, how much destruction that does to you. And not only to you, but to you actually living out the call that God has in your life. Man, and this is something that we have to understand. And this morning what I want to do is I want us to look at the purpose of the enemy. I want us to look at the plan of the enemy. And then I want us to look at the purpose and the plan of the Savior. And I want us to compare those purposes and those plans and once we apply that to our marriage I really believe that we can begin to take those next steps of faith not just individually but as a couple and for those of you who aren't married you're preparing for that man this is something for you to grasp right now that there is an enemy working against you and your future spouse there is an enemy that wants to do everything that he can to tear you down right now and He wants to bring that baggage and that hurt and that pain and those struggles into your future relationship so that that relationship is bogged down with the things of this world and God is not honored at all because of what the enemy has done before you ever got into that marriage relationship. And for some of you that are married, you've already carried some of that into your relationship. Here's the good news. That we serve a God who makes a way even when we don't know how. Amen? We serve a God who can break chains even when we don't know how. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who was just in bondage over something, whether it's addiction or, or maybe in their marriage or in some type of other relationship, whatever the bondage is, and then God breaks the chains of bondage in that person. Man, there, it would be crazy for us to say, man, that person was strong enough on their own to break those chains, because I promise you, there's no human being on the face of this earth strong enough to get out of the hands and the grips of the enemy. But man, we serve a God who defeated him. We serve a God who defeated all of those chains 
who defeated all of those bondages, but it doesn't change the fact that the enemy is still working and he still wants to kill you. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. This is the purpose of the enemy. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What he wants to do is he wants to kill you. He wants to steal all of the goodness of God away from you. He wants to destroy you, and not just you, but your marriage. Right? We have this, this enemy working against us in this relationship. Man, it, and it sounds like, man, this is just something that they say at church. There's, a, there's the devil. He's working. I've never seen him. And I, I just want you to know that you have seen him whether you know it or not. And that He's working in the midst of us at all times. Man, He is trying to pull you apart from the inside out. Man, in this relationship that we've been talking about for the last five weeks is something that God has ordained, something that God has put together. And because of that, man, the enemy would love nothing more than to tear that relationship down. How does he do it? Here's the plan of the enemy. First John 2, 15 and 16 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So we see that there's, there's three ways, right? There's three ways. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But I want to I go back all the way to Genesis chapter 3 and I want us to look at how the enemy actually put this into practice with Eve. And I want us to see this because, man, this is what he still does. This is still his plan. These are still his tactics to get us to run away from what God has called us to. Genesis 3, we're going to read verses 1-7 through 7 together. It says, Now the serpent... Satan was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open." and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves I want to point out something really quick for the men in the room. A lot of people say, man, Eve is the reason that all this happened. But I want you to, to see from this passage that it says that she gave some to her husband who was with her. And if he was leading the way that he should have been leading as a husband, she wouldn't have fallen in the first place. So guys, I want you to hear this today, that you are the leader of your home. Chase after Jesus. Lead your wife to Jesus. Man, check on her heart. Make sure that she is valuable 
to you and that she knows that she's valuable to you and that she's valuable to the Creator of the world. Man, He was with her. He was right there with her. So I don't want to hear you anymore if you have in the past. I don't ever want you to blame Eve. I want you to know that Adam was there and as the leader of that relationship, he failed to lead her towards Jesus. But we see in this passage that these same three things that we saw in 1 John, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this is what the enemy used to attack Eve. And the lust of the flesh is simply this, it's the desire to have something. To, to really meet some physical need. And I, wanna, I really want to apply this to our marriage relationship. And man, this is something that happens often in marriage. That we have some physical need that we think should be met on a certain time frame or whatever, certain amount of times, a certain level of, of physical need being met whatever it may be, and if that doesn't get met the way that we think, then what we automatically do as humans is say, well, someone else can meet that need. And if we don't think that initially, the enemy is whispering to you that you deserve for that need to be met. You deserve for all of these physical needs and these desires that you have to be met. And if this person isn't doing it for you, I guarantee you that there's someone over here that will. Hey, this person at work that you talk to all the time, they really will meet those needs for you. This person at the gym that you work out with occasionally, they'll meet those needs for you. And the enemy begins to whisper these lies to you. And because we have a desire, a lust of the flesh, man, the enemy begins to attack that part of our life. Because, man, these needs that we think we need met aren't being met by our spouse. So the devil, the enemy, is telling you there's someone else that will meet that need for you. And then the lust of the eyes. to The, the, the desire to just own or possess. To be really controlling. To be in control of something. And when we apply that to marriage, it works the same way. Man, maybe we feel like we have no control whatsoever in our marriage. And, and the devil is whispering in your ear that you deserve more control. You deserve to have more. You deserve more of this. You deserve more of this. You deserve more of this. And if you're not getting it at home, there's somewhere someone will give it to you. And man, the enemy begins to whisper and begins to make you start believing that there's something better. There's something greater. There's something more for you. Because your physical needs aren't being met because you desire to control something else. And man, the enemy won't stop. He will continue whispering these lies into your mind because if he can control your thoughts, man, he's got you. Man, that's why it's so important for us to guard our thoughts against all of that nonsense of the enemy. And we line up what He's telling us with the truth of the Word of God. And the Word of God says, hey, I have, I have ordained this marriage relationship. If your physical needs aren't being met, then maybe you should make sure your priorities are in order. Maybe you should make sure you're pursuing your two. Maybe you should have some of those difficult conversations 
Maybe the communication's lacking. And then, man, we let the enemy get in and we begin to fight like dirty, dirty dogs. Right? We begin to fight like we, we are enemies and we hate each other. And we fight for victory instead of fighting for resolution. And man, and then we, we're no longer just one person anymore. We're two separate people doing two separate things, hoping that somehow this marriage is going to work out while the enemy is constantly telling you that she's not enough, that he's not enough, that you're not enough. And that there's some, someone somewhere that can meet all these needs that you have. We have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. And the pride of life is just when you get to a place and you say that, I got this. I got this. Three of the most dangerous words that any Christian could ever say is, man, I got this. I don't need your help. I don't need God's help. I can handle this myself. The pride of life is saying that I am my own God. That I don't need the, the one true God. I don't need this relationship. I'm independent. I can do this life on my own. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe because as soon as you get alone, you get by yourself, you're not depending on the Savior, you don't have that community around you, He will attack you and He will kill you. That's why we always talk about the importance of community here because, man, He's still going to attack you. But when you're doing life with other people, man, how much easier it is to fight those battles. Because you have a group of people chasing after Jesus together and then the enemy is throwing his fiery darts at you. And man, these people in this community, they begin to pray for you. They begin to stand in the gap for you. They begin to do life with you and take these steps with you. They begin to rebuke the enemy with you because they love you. And they're in this community that God has created for you. And I want you to think about the tactic of the enemy. I want you to think about how he, he still uses this same, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life to destroy you and to tear apart relationships. And this is real. And if you think about some of the troubles that you've had in your marriage, and I'm going to share just a little more about my marriage than, than I have so far. And I, I wanted to end this series kind of just giving you a glimpse of, of my life. And I did not ask permission for this. And she is in the room. So y'all pray right now for me. But I got married at 25 years old. 25, man, I'm not saying that that's too young to get married. I'm saying for me, that was way too young to get married because I was not prepared and I was not ready for marriage. Okay? We get married and then we have a kid really quick. So we got married at 25. I had a kid at, I guess, 26. We got married in March. Addison was born in February the next year. So 11 months later. We didn't have any time to really do this marriage thing because the kid was there. What is this? I got a wife and now a little baby. I have no clue what I'm doing. No clue whatsoever. So what did I do? 
I began to just immerse myself in work. And I would work 60, 70 hours a week. And, and man, my life revolved around ministry and work. Ministry and work. And I had a wife at home and a baby at home that I didn't really know much about at all. Because I was selfish and because I had no clue what it meant to be a godly husband and to be in this relationship that God had created. And I want you to hear this. I was in the ministry, right? I was leading youth. I was a youth pastor. So don't ever think that your pastors or your leaders are any, any more special or any better or don't have to deal with the same struggles. I promise you that we do. We do the same life as you do. We deal with the same struggles as you. And I say that to say, don't ever put your faith in me. Put your faith in Him. And I'm going to lead you the best I can, but man, I am human. And I will make you mad. There will come a time where I'm going to say something or do something and you're not going to love it. And I'm just going to pray that you're close enough to Jesus where you can show grace. But man, I was living this, this life of ministry and teaching these students. And man, I love the youth group. And Ashley was amazing and she was supportive. And youth ministry is not her favorite. I'm just going to throw that out there. But man, she was just, she was, she was the most supportive wife that I could have. God, man, he knew that nobody else could love me the way that she loved me. And I was just a bad husband. And I was a bad father. And I made really bad decisions. And I've talked about us. We went to, to marriage counseling and we did that because of me. Because how bad I was. Because I was just a horrible husband. She didn't even want to go to that. But she did it because she loved me enough to say, hey, if this is going to help, if this is what you need, then I'm going to go and I'm going to support you. Man, and then I began to learn some of this stuff that I had never learned before about marriage. And we started this series with me telling you that this is the stuff I wish I would have known. And I, I would love to say that after that, that counseling that everything was better. But man, it takes work, right? It's a process to get back to where you should be. Man, and she could have left so many times. She could have, she could have packed up. She could have moved wherever she wanted to. Man, and what the devil had done in my life is he had used these tactics... He had used these tactics to, to get into my brain and to begin to make me do things and to live a way that was completely apart from the way that God had called me to live. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, all of these were evident in my life and in my marriage. And He still works that way. He still wants you to think that there's something better, there's something more on the other side. Because that's just the way that He operates. And the good thing about it is, if we can just know that, it makes it that much easier to fight against. We know that those are His tactics. Mark 3.25 says, And if a house is divided against itself, that house would not be able to stand. 
And I want to I want to encourage a couple in this room right now, and I don't know who it is, but there's someone that needs to hear this, that unless you get on the same page, your house is going to fall apart. That God is calling you to unite around a certain vision. That God is calling you to take steps of faith together on the same page. Stop being divided. Stop arguing about stuff that has no significance. Chase after Jesus together. Get on the same page. Take those steps. Hold each other's hand and just keep pressing forward. And we can't be divided. So we see the purpose of the enemy is really to just kill, to steal, to destroy, to devour whatever he can. The plan is to get us to think that there's just always something better for us. But then we contrast that with the Savior of the world. And here is the purpose of the Savior. John 10, 10 says this, The thief, the enemy, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus talking. This is a declaration from the Savior. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give you life. Life meaning everything that He is. He came to give you all of Him. Eternal life, a relationship with Him, and then an abundant life while you're here on this earth. That's His purpose. This is His plan. John 10, 11, if you keep reading, says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. The plan of the Savior was, hey, I'm coming. Because in your sin, right? We, and we read the first account of sin in Scripture. When, when Eve ate the fruit, when Adam ate the fruit, sin entered the world at that time. So every single one of us was born into that sinful nature. And because God is a holy God, a just God, there's no way that we can be reconciled to Him on our own. And he knew that in his love, he said, I'm going to send my son on a rescue mission for you to reconcile you back to myself. And Jesus, born of a virgin. And the virgin birth is so important because Jesus wasn't born into the sinful nature because he was born of a virgin girl and the heavenly father. And because of His perfection and because of His holiness and because He kept the laws of His Father and because He lived a life that was perfect, He hung on a tree where our sins were imputed onto Him. A sinless Savior. And three days later, He defeated death. He rose from the grave. And here's the cool part. There's another imputation that happens. When we begin to follow after Jesus, His righteousness is then imputed to us. Sinful, dirty people, we get the righteousness of God because of His love and His grace and His mercy. And when we say, I want to follow after Him, I want to begin a relationship with Him, He says, now I count you as righteous because of Jesus. Praise God for His righteousness. The plan of the Savior 
was to lay down his life for his sheep. I don't know much about shepherding. I've never been in that profession, right? I just know what I've read about it. But Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And what a good shepherd does is he lays down his life for his sheep. What a good shepherd does is when there's 99 people here and one sheep goes astray, the good shepherd goes and gets the one. And there's some people in this room, you're the one this morning and you've wandered away and you've never started that relationship with God and He's saying, hey, I'm coming after you. That's His plan, to chase you fiercely because He loves you that much. And He wants you. And He wants you because He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you abundant life. And because of that abundance of life, we get to live in a marriage covenant that resembles the relationship of Him and His church, the bride of Christ. Now what a special thing that is for us. To be able to have a relationship with the Creator of the universe. Because He loves us that much. So what can we do? We're going to close here, but what can we do when we're, when we're being bombarded by the enemy and our marriage feels like it's falling apart and it would be so easy in our brains to just give up, to go find something else, to go find someone else. What can we do? What does God call us to do? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is what we do. We run to Jesus. There's some sin that's entangling us, man. There's weights that are just weighing us down. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is we cast all that aside and we just sprint towards Jesus. And we run this race that He has set before us with endurance. Not our endurance, but looking to Him who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Man, he, he gave us the faith and He's perfecting that faith. This is what happens. When we receive Christ, when we begin to follow after Jesus, right? we are justified by His blood. Meaning that when God looks at us, He no longer sees the sin in our life. He sees the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. We're justified by His grace. But then there's another process that's happening, and that's called sanctification. And sanctification is becoming more and more like Him. Being made holy. And that, that process will not finish until we are in heaven with Him where He says, hey, now you are made holy. You are now sanctified. But man, that process begins at salvation. And it's just, it's like chiseling away at this, this sinful nature. 
And the way that we can continuously get closer to Jesus and be sanctified is to cast away the weights of this world, understanding that the enemy is on attack in your life and in your marriage. To throw away, to cast away the sins and to run after Jesus who is perfecting your faith each and every day. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if what? If we do not give up. If we do not give up. Man, there's some of you maybe sitting in this room that you're on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of, of saying, man, this marriage just isn't worth it. It's not worth it. I just want to give up. And God is, is, is yelling at you. It is worth it. It is worth it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Run the race with endurance. Don't give up. Because in due season you will reap. Man. But you got to put the right stuff in. Right? You reap whatever you sow. Man, and we need to start sowing some love and some pursuit and some protection of the priorities and some communication. We need to start sowing these things into our relationship. And in due season, you will reap a harvest. Not because of your goodness, but because of His goodness. Man, and it starts with you. Don't give up on yourself. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for your marriage. God has a plan and a purpose for your parenting. He has a plan and a purpose for your kids. Don't leave this place today without having a relationship with the only one that can give you eternal life and to give you life to the fullest. Man, there, there's some people in this room. You need to take, you need to take that next step. For some of you, that next step is for the very first time to say, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus has done everything necessary for my salvation. I believe that when He died on the cross that it counted for me. And I'm going to commit to follow Him with everything that I am. For someone in this room, maybe that's your next step. You've never made that decision. You've never made that commitment to follow after Him. Man, and what we do here when people make that decision, man, this is how important it is. It's someone who is dead coming to life. And Scripture teaches us that the angels rejoice when someone gives their life to Jesus. So guess what we do? We rejoice right along with them and we celebrate that life change and that decision. For some of you, your next step is maybe you, you've accepted Jesus and you've never taken the, the next step of baptism and that's your next step for you. That Jesus says, hey, I want you to be in relationship with me and then to show the world, I want you to follow me in believers' baptism, which represents your old life being buried, and then you're raised up in a new life in Jesus. Maybe that's your next step. For some of you, maybe your next step is to join the fellowship here, to join the family of Impact Church. 
Maybe for some of you, your next step is to love your wife like God's called you to love her. Maybe for some of you, your next step is to love your husband the way that God has called you to love him. Maybe for some of you, your, your next step is to begin to prepare yourself for marriage the way that God has called you to prepare. I don't know what your next step is, but I know that you have one. Maybe for some of you, it's just to get involved and, and serve. Maybe you've been coming, you've kind of been checking things out and, and you feel like God really wants you here and He wants you plugged in. And there's tons of ways to serve here. And maybe you're like, I don't really like people. I don't really want to serve with people. I get it. And we set this building up on Friday nights and we would love extra hands if you just want to come and, and help us set up. You don't have to really talk to people at all. You can set up and leave if you want. And people are like, yeah, but what does that really do for the kingdom? What it does for the kingdom is it, it welcomes people into this place. People walk in and they see an auditorium set up. They see a kids ministry set up and they're like, man, this church cares about people. And we do care about people, but we couldn't do it without the faithful servants on our setup team. Every ministry matters. Every part of the body works together to show God's love to the world so that people can know His love and grow in His love and then they show His love to the world. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this song. And this song is about how much God loves us. How He leaves the 99 to go after the 1. How His love is so reckless. He wants to welcome you this morning. And He wants to walk with you whatever your next step is. So as we sing this song together, man, I want you to sing it in spirit and truth from the depths of your heart and your soul. I'm going to be up here this morning and I would love to talk to you and help you take whatever next step it is that you need to take. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.